I'm now recording. So, welcome back again to another base training podcast. Today it is just myself, Mr. Lee Carter, and Mr. Will Strathdee. As Stefan has left us, he's ditched us for um, another career in um, taxi driving. He hasn't really. <laughs> He's just away today. Um, so firstly, we always like to let you know where you can find more information about us. Um, I'll start. You can find me at Lee Carter UK on Instagram, at Lee Carter on LinkedIn, and at Lee Carter UK on Facebook. And you can also email me at Lee Carter at base.training. No, that's not right. Lee Carter at base.training. That's the one. Um, <laughs> with Will, where can everyone find you? Um, so get me on Instagram at coach underscore Will underscore Strathdee. Find me on LinkedIn, Will Strathdee. Find me on Facebook. I think it's Will Strathdee Movement Health and Movement Coach. I don't know really, to be honest, what the actual name is. And my email is will at base.training. And Lee's is Lee at base.training. What did I say? Lee Carter at base.training. Got it. It's Lee at base.training, yeah. <laughs> um, I just like to say my name. I can't help it. So, and for, for those that want to know about Stefan, um, you can f- email him at Stefan. I was going to say Lee then. Stefan at base.training. Um, you can also find him on Instagram at Stefan underscore Winder underscore movement coach. Uh, coach underscore Stefan underscore Winder. There we go. Um, and if you want to find out more about the company, you can head over to us at www.base.training. So a little word from our sponsors. We've got Bic Biro sponsoring us today. Um, I actually have a Bic Biro in my hand. It does actually have a Bic. I have a Bic too. That's what I'm going to be writing my notes down with. Um, so today we are going to be talking about program design for advanced clients. So we've talked before on previous podcasts about beginners. We've talked about intermediates on the side of this kind of idea of maximum physical potential where we're coming from a younger age up until kind of the middle age part. Um, and that is what we're kind of defining as the beginners, intermediates and advanced. Obviously, there is another stage to that, which is kind of uh, heading towards old age and what you might need to consider um, for program design for that part of your life, if, that, if you're in that part of life. Um, but we're going to be talking about that on another podcast. For this one, though, program design for advanced clients. So, Will, how do we define an advanced client. Uh, uh, so, see, they would have moved through their intermediate stage. They'll probably reach a point where uh, their training age is probably around five years as a minimum. Uh, it could be longer, uh, just depends on their abilities. And that's five years, roughly, of actual weight training and following specific weight training protocols. It's not five years of running to become an advanced. Um, fitness professional I don't know yeah that makes it makes a bit of sense um, what you're saying like you, someone can't come to us having played rugby for five years and call themselves an advanced client or they can't come to us having done Zumba for five years 
call themselves an advanced client. They need to be um, need to have built volume through resistance, gained low multiple different types of contractions. Um, they need to have competency through a vast array of movement challenges. Yeah, it's it's not you haven't done five years when you were 20 and you're now 40 it's it's recent it's your recent kind of training training age industry yeah last five years exactly and it, it's hugely important because we have i've had people come to me in the past and then we've in, in consultation they've said oh, i've done this i've played sport blah 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 um i've done all of these things but then when you put them through a a basic assessment they come out as a beginner and that can be hard for someone to swallow. Yeah. Uh, so that has to be managed from the relationship standpoint. Um, but it's, it's, it's more about where you are now. And as Will said, it's your recent training history. So if you are someone that has, um, that you walk into a gym, more of a functional type training gym, and you can do quite advanced gymnastic movements, you can do handstand walking and handstand holds, you can back squat over your body weight, you can deadlift really heavy and you can push yourself quite hard and then have you have to recover from it, i.e. that you can do a really hard workout and then it will take you 10, 15, 20 minutes to recover from it. If you're doing a really hard workout and, and you're listening to this and saying, yeah, I can push hard, but you get up 30 seconds later and you're ready to go again, you're not, you're probably not an advanced level climb. Um, so when it comes to the uh, definition of uh, definition of that, it's basically competency within movement, within uh, resistance training, within energy systems, um, and within your lifestyle and nutrition. So in terms of assessment, what sort of assessments have you, or where would you start with assessment um, when someone comes to you? Um, so they go through the same. Same relative assessment everyone else does, and we're trying to determine what level they're at because you can't really take that. It sounds bad, but you can't take the word of a, a client to be fully um, because it, people will believe, perceive themselves to be better than they are. Uh, so you have to work from the ground up and then have to go through the same, some of the same assessment aspects as a beginner and an intermediate until you kind of find their level. Um, kind of the, the different parts of the assessment that see them go through to compared to an intermediate, you probably find them getting a, a weighted pull up, one third of body weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one third of speed weight to use that. Um, whereas for an intermediate, which we're going to be able to do strip pull ups, um, and then for them to be able to back squat, I'm going to get speed assessment. Is it 125% body weight? No, it's uh, I think it's, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking for them to actual more performance type metrics rather than just uh, movement competency mm. metrics. Yeah, and what you're kind of discussing there is balance strength. So this idea that um, someone has relative strength between different types of movements. If we're looking for this idea of fitness, um, when we consider strength within that, um, we are talking about different types of strength relative to each other and how they interplay and for balance. Because if you are 
uh, coming to us for fitness, then they're the numbers we look at. If you're coming to us to be the strongest person you can be, then balanced strength isn't necessarily what we can what we're looking at. If you have like a specific metric, like a, I want to be the best back squatter I can be, cool. Well, then we don't really need to worry too much about deadlifting or strict pressing. Um, it's back squatting we're com- concentrating on. And there is, when we're talking about balanced strength, there's a lot of movements that we're looking for. So um, we'll talk, mentioned a little bit about movement, uh, that movement competency. So we want to see strength and competency throughout a, ra- a range of movements going from back squat to deadlift to strict press to push press to push jerk to split jerk to clean to power clean to power snatch and snatch to uh, front squat. If, and if you're listening to this and you don't know what any of those are, there's another indication to say that you may not be an advanced level client yet, and that's okay. Um, so when we're looking at these things, we also want to consider body weight type movements. So they should have some more complex movements within their arsenal. Um, things like handstands. Things again, if if they're if we're looking for fitness. Um, and balanced fitness. We consider that these competencies should be um, should have been attained by this point, um, because you can you can play about with your movement a little bit more because your risk of injury is a little bit lower. But we're going to get into that little topic a little bit later. Um, it is a little bit lower, um, but it's going to allow you afford you sorry the opportunity to play about, try new skills a bit more regularly. Um, and uh, I would say have a little bit more fun with it. And I don't like that term too much within fitness and talking about fitness, but it can allow you to play and it can afford you the opportunity to, if someone says, oh, let's go and run 10K, you can go, okay, because you have a balanced level of fitness already built up. You already have the contractions built up through your training history to be able to cope with 10,000 meters of running. like 7,000 lunges, right? <laughs> essentially. Um, so balanced strength and movement competency are a huge piece of this. Um, we also consider energy system training. Um, and now for a advanced level client, we can start to dig a little bit deeper into someone's energy systems. Um, and what we mean, again, what we mean by that um, is if you don't know what we talk about when we say energy systems, then you again may not be an advanced level client. So if you want, if you don't understand a lot of the terminology we're using, then that's already given us an indication, or it's given more of an indication as to where you are on this um, scale of max physical potential. So energy systems, um, for those that don't know, we've got three of them predominantly. Um, we've got the creatine phosphate system or adenosine triphosphate system got which is your really short high powered think sprinting for six to ten seconds like the hundred meter sprint and think of lifting something really heavy and really fast super explosive we've got the anaerobic glycolytic this is kind of like an 800 meter um distance and time frame so again Say again, Will? Two to four minutes. Yeah, two to four minutes. Um, something around there. Again, these time frames aren't uh, exact. 
and we also have the aerobic energy system and this is your sustainable one it's the one that you're in most of the time throughout your life all of the time actually because we're always using it and so when it comes to energy systems and assessing those we're looking to split those split those up and see how well someone fares within those on their own and within a mixed basis so or a cyclical basis and within a mixed basis and what i mean by mixed is different um, movements like back squats and pull-ups can someone develop an anaerobic response within that, those two movements and can someone develop an aerobic response within those movements and this is going to give us an idea as to their strengths and weaknesses and uh, allow us to um, get a deeper and broader picture of where this person actually is as a client. Anything to add there, Will? I've rambled. Uh, no, so you, you, you touched on um, getting like an, an anaerobic response from such as back and pull-ups uh, versus uh, an aerobic response from those movements. Just so people can understand what you mean by both those responses, what do you mean by those responses? Uh, cool. So when we uh, when I talk about a response, if someone's getting an anaerobic response, and I think I understand the question, right? I want some someone to think most people have gone and pushed, tried to push really hard at some point, um, or they've had to sprint really fast, whether that was at school, for as long as they possibly could. And they get to this point where their legs don't work anymore. Their legs go really heavy and numb. They start to get this nauseous feeling. Um, and the acidity level in their body starts to rise. You want to throw up a little bit, uh, or you do, depending on how strong that uh, uh, response is. And afterwards, after you've got a chance to recover, you might get a little bit of a headache. But that is an anaerobic response. Um, it means you have you've dug into stored energy pools. You have gone without oxygen or without the ability to resynthesize oxygen no without the ability to resynthesize energy with oxygen um, for a considerable period of time now and your body's now um, in a state where it's got loads of carbon dioxide in it it's got loads of built up hydrogen ions in it so the acidic level and it can't cope anymore your body's need your body needs it's essentially dying to pull it at a really extreme way of doing it. Your body is dying at that point. Um, it needs life, oxygen. So what do you? What does your brain do? What does your body do? It slows you down so that you can start to uh, get more oxygen into the body. So that is an, an anaerobic response. When we talk, an aerobic, talk about an aerobic response, we are thinking about sustainability. So if you do a workout, let's say you go for a run and it's 30 minutes long and at the end of that run you kind of come to a slow stop you, you slowly break down your speed and you come to a stop and then you're out of breath you put your hands on your hips you walk around for a little bit you maybe do a couple of stretches hands on your head take on some water that is an aerobic response it's something that you're you are sustainable within and if someone was to chase you you could start running again you might be out of breath but you could start running again um, you wouldn't have to. Th you wouldn't have to go. Oh God, sod this and just lay down and play dead. Um, you would continue to run. Um, so that is an aerobic response. When we're talking about developing that through or developing those responses through training, we have two ways of doing it. 
we have the cyclical method and we have the mixed modal method. The cyclical method means that we are going to put you through a workout as such, <coughs> excuse me, that develops these responses on something like a run. Let's use sprinting actually, it's probably the most primal, through running. It's something that is continuous, it's high turnover, and it's just one thing, cyclical. Um, we can do that through things like rowing, we can do it through things like an assault bike or a flyable bike, we can do it through swimming, um, skipping, anything that's just high turnover and you can do for a considerable period of time. And we can tailor that workout to get an anaerobic response or an aerobic response, depending on what we want to test or what we want to train. When we talk about the mixed modal method, this gets a little bit more complicated because it really this is where skill uh, competency comes into it to quite an extent and training history as well. So we, also biomechanics comes into this. Um, so you, the probably one of the key aspects of the cyclical method is that you can have high turnover and you need high turnover to get a response or, or to get an anaerobic response more specifically. Within mixed modal movements, and we're now considering things like weightlifting, like Olympic lifting, um, big compound complex movements, um, and also gymnastics, again, complex compound movements. The key differentiator with those is that by nature they are lower turnover. So with someone that has the ability to develop a response, especially an anaerobic response, from gymnastics and weightlifting and cyclical movements combined, it would tell you that in most cases they have an, an, a higher training age, probably, probably pushing seven to 10 years now. Um, and they have practice, ex practiced extensively within those movements on their own first. So they have practiced doing 50 snatches in a row as fast as they possibly can. They have practiced doing as many um, <coughs> burpee, <coughs> excuse me, burpees as they possibly can. And they don't have to think about it now. It's an automatic thing that they do. They don't have to think, oh, where do I put my feet? It just happens. And they've learned it to an extremely high level. Um, so when we're trying to get a response, especially a specific response or mixed modal training, um, we have to consider a lot more because if someone has long levers, so long arms, and we're trying to get an anaerobic response through, let's say, an assault bike for 50 calories and then um, 20 unbroken chest bar butterfly pull-ups. Um, if someone has long arms, that means the turnover is going to be lower, i.e. The, their ability to recover through each rep for the next rep is going to be higher because it's just taking longer which means it's more sustainable where someone if someone has short arms they can turn that movement over much faster so the energy demand goes up and their ability to recover for the next rep within that set becomes lower so we have to consider all these smaller details to say okay are we wasting our time in that specific specific area again when it comes to assessment and is that developing the response is that testing the 
energy system that we want to test? Potentially not. Um, when it comes to an aerobic setting for mixed modal work, we're looking for the amount of work that someone can get done while still being sustainable. So if someone is having to die for a score in an aerobic workout or an aerobic test in a mixed mobile setting, then we can argue that maybe they're having to stop and rest, which means they're pushing that threshold of aerobic and anaerobic uh, training. Um, we want someone that's, be out, that's able to, or we want to see that someone is able to move continuously with very little rest time. So they'll be able to do five power cleans into 10 box jumps, into 10 burpees, into 500 meter row. And the only time that they're resting, in quote marks, is the transition between the exercises. Does that answer your question? It does. <laughs> uh, and that kind of leads on to a point. <coughs> One of the main differentiating factors between um, advanced level client and uh, intermediate level client would be the fact that they can get an advanced level client to get these responses from both cyclical and post-modal work. For intermediate, they're going to struggle to see uh, a good response from mixed modal work, uh, especially for an anaerobic response because they just can't move fast enough or lift enough. Exactly. To, to get an, an anaerobic level response from an intermediate, they might be able to get that from a cyclical, but they definitely probably won't be able to get it from, definitely probably won't <laughs> definitely. be able to get it from a mixed modal setting. And yeah. that's probably likely with the uh, aerobic response as well. Because should you start throwing different movements in there, they can't don't understand how to pace them, how to control them, they'll start to become less aerobic as they go through those power cleans and box jumps because they just can't sustain that level of uh, movement. Yeah, you mentioned uh, two things that I thought quite interesting, pacing and I suppose uh, the having the prerequisites in place. So they have to have adequate mus muscle endurance built up, have to have adequate strength endurance built up, have to have ad ad uh, adequate absolute strength built up for them to start expressing um, this idea that we called call battery work um, and to put strength works into to an into an aerobic setting so this is something we touched on in the podcast talking about hip training putting strength work into high intensity interval based training settings where you don't have the ability to one to express it or two to recover from it um, without having developed the, the prerequisites that lay before it will lead to holes in your um, fitness going forwards um, or you just won't improve you'll just get to a point where you're just stuck and you just can't get anywhere and that becomes frustrating that's that's a kind of different podcast <laughs> um, and you talked about you mentioned pacing, I wrote that down literally as you said it, is that someone, we're kind of moving into the design aspect of it, but someone ha knows how to pace movements at this point. They know what it feels like to move aerobically through um, pull-ups and muscle-ups and burpees and box jumps and those combined with rowing and running and skipping combined with um, and snatching and power cleaning. Someone knows what it feels like so that if you said to them, cool, right, the workout is going to be 100 power snatches at, let's say, 30% of their one rep max, for argument's sake, a, a 
normal, a, uh, a, what's the word, a, a, a common number that we might use, <laughs> might be something like 40, 45 kilos for an advanced level client, for a male, maybe like 35, 40 for a female. Um, they have to do 100 of those, they have to do 100 burpees, then they have to do 1k on the rower. They, before they even start, they have a rough idea of what time they're going to finish. They already know how long it's going to take them to do roughly 100 power snatches. They know how many reps they have to do before it's going to start to burn and they have to stop and rest a little bit. Or they know the exact speed they need to go to stop that happening. Um, as an advanced level or as an intermediate and beginner level client, you don't really need to be considering these factors. Or you kind of do, but it's not going to be on that complex a level. It's going to be things that are relatively simple, like step-ups, like um, ski erg, like skipping, where you're trying to de develop this um, and not test it as much. As you move to the advanced level, we're looking at, can you pace this to get the best test score, potentially? <coughs> and that, that kind of moves us into our um, design phase of this podcast and how we might design a program for someone um, to start with, the things that we're going to be looking at for an advanced level client is going to be the split per week. What we would recommend is that if you are in this and you're trying to program your own training, awesome, um, that you're thinking about, and that's say you have tested and you are an advanced level client um, based on our standards, you're thinking about potentially splitting body days up, body parts up to have their own days or movements up to have their own days. So you might do a deadlift day or hinge day. On a Monday, you might do a, um, a squat day on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, you might do a conditioning day. On a Thursday, you might have a day off. On a Friday, you might do a squat day. And then Saturday, you might do a hinge day and conditioning piece. So there's, there's a rough example in there. Uh, and one of the other things that, again, we can talk about is um, volume. It's most likely going to be up. You're going to be able to handle a lot more training um, and recover from it to go to your next training session. <coughs> so body part splits. Have you done anything different, Will? Have you considered anything different? Um, no. So I would use that for um, like movement day. Exactly. You also touched on a bit of ordering in there as well. In terms of how you might order a session, um, Will kind of explained what an, an advanced level client might do. is They might do their Olympic lift first, they might do a supplementary Olympic lift, and then they might move to a strength lift. Um, as an advanced level client, and this is where we're going to touch on comp competitive advanced level clients and compet on, yeah, competitive advanced level clients and health advanced level clients um, a competitive uh, advanced level client might change that up a little bit 
So they, they need to know what it feels like to do a strength movement or to do a conditioning piece first and then go into a, an Olympic lift for five sets to try and train strength. Now we're not doing that to train strength at that point, we're doing that for the feeling of what it feels like to do it in that order. So we're, we're and if they're competing, competing in fitness, then they definitely have to know what random, randomly selected movements and ordered movements feel like. Um, but that's something we would consider in a training plan. Um, again, we'll get onto competitive versus health clients in a second. So we've got the kind of order and the days. What type of um, workouts might we be doing in, in there? Are there any like specific ways in which you progress a workout or a set of movements that you've used in the past? Um, so this, I'll talk about the strength stuff. You can do what energy system do that, so I'll leave that with you. <laughs> so with the strength stuff, they're gonna, probably not gonna have stricter tempos as we would have seen in beginners and um, intermediates. The reps and sets will be less so they can uh, produce higher levels of force. We might start to see things like uh, incomplete rest times or different like, cluster type sets in there as well to, to increase that total set intensity. We allow them longer rest between. And we might introduce things like on the minute lifting, so that's touching more into slight energy system training for the strength work, but still kind of applies for their uh, strength based movements. Uh, yeah. So, more variability in their reps and sets that you would see from an intermediate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The variability part is that we can add variability, but in order to get a specific increase, we actually need a lot of consistency. So if someone yeah. comes to us as an advanced level client and says, I want to get five kilos on my back squat, we might say, okay, cool. You're going to be squatting for the next eight months twice a week heavy or put one for speed and one for weight for instance to get five kilos um, in improvement now for a beginner or an intermediate uh, client that may type that might take five weeks so we're coming to this idea that as you move through the um, max physical potential scale towards advance the rate at which you gain increases and move towards Gainesville and the gains train is much slower. The cost is much higher, so you have to put in a lot more to get a lot less, unfortunately, um, because we're, we're now starting to reach your max physical potential. So um, I always use the example when I'm explaining this to someone of an elite level Olympic weightlifter, is they might train four years to get a one kilo increase, but that one kilo increase is a new world record. So that's the kind of the what goes into and what you get what versus what you get out of being an advanced level client. It's it's much harder. It's much harder to get their gains. So the, the mental game has to be a lot stronger as well. You have to be a lot mentally tougher. Um, so yeah, there's an awesome point in there. In terms of energy system training, we are now hoping that if, you, you've, if you've gone through the progression with us over the course of 10 years, then you would have gone through collecting enough volume in energy systems, in, in aerobic uh, 
in your aerobic system to be able to recover from developing a response from the other energy systems firstly you would be strong enough to develop an anaerobic response because that is one of the prerequisites of being able to be anaerobic is to be strong enough um, that comes with a little caveat is that some people just are more inclined to be more anaerobic um, they have all the kind of body weight I'm trying to figure out a way to explain that they, they have enough of the prerequisites and, uh, and, a, and a nervous system that's developed enough maybe through sport when they were younger or again just their, the way they're made up to develop that response um, so when it comes to energy system training we're going to start to think of things like let's go for the aerobic system we're moving we're spending a considerable period of time trying to build your base even bigger so we're trying just to get loads of reps through as many different movements as we possibly can and then from there we're going to start to break it down so we're going to go from very easy work through to hard work <coughs> what that might look like on paper is you might do at the start of a year's program let's say year two years start of a two-year program you might spend six months doing uh, longer like 90 minutes worth of aerobic work loads of different movements loads of di as many different combinations as we can think of um, and over time we might start to break those up so we might go from doing a 90 minute block all the way through to five 10 minute pieces with two to three minutes in between we're now starting to challenge this idea of pacing so we might say okay you've got to do five pull-ups five squats five sit-ups for 10 minutes rest two to three minutes do that again five times and get exactly the same score every single time now because it's 10 minutes and you get a little bit rest you'll be able to go just a little bit harder push your pace just a little bit more and it'll be a little bit more fatiguing but it needs to be sustainable enough to go for the full five sets and then fast forward in a like a year we're now a year and a half in we might be at this point where we're starting to do um, like 60 seconds of work 60 seconds off and you're doing that through five or six different movements maybe less maybe more seven to eight times so it's like 30 minutes of work um, 15 minutes sorry 15 minutes of work ish 15 minutes of rest and you're trying to put out max power max aerobic power and be sustainable at that. So working at really high rates and being super sustainable at that point. Um, now, if you're, if we're looking at the anaerobic side of things, it's actually the opposite. So we might go from hard, hard, sorry, shorter time frames to longer time frames. So from power to capacity. The other one is capacity to power. Um, and we might start off on an assault bike doing 10 seconds of work, a minute and a half of rest. You do that four times through, you then rest for 10 minutes and do it again. You might do that two or three times through to start to develop your ability to put maximum power out. Over the course of six months, random number, we'll get to a point where you're doing 10 minutes of work at an extremely hard pace like really really pushing that pace and at this point we've com stuck we've combined your aerobic power work 
with your anaerobic endurance work or capacity work together and you're now really starting to dig deep into your nervous system into your energy systems and you're really asking a lot of your body um, and we might do this through uh, chippers through circuit based type training we might do it through cyclical training we might do it through mixed modian mixed modian mixed modal training um, and we touched on that earlier and how you might progress that and we're going to add a lot of con a lot of variants into this as well so um, again because at this point we might be considering comp competition as a client if they are um, but we might be considering health but this is where it starts to get really grey between competition versus health um, there's a lot of grey in there and how we actually manage that what, what have you been doing with your advanced level clients Will, to manage that and try and balance that um, so, you know, like you said, there's a lot of grey area, um, and there, there's an argument that you can have two advanced level uh, clients. One is health focused, one is competition focused. Health focused client arguably doesn't need to push as far as the competition based client, even though they have similar level, similar levels of ability. Um, they can touch on it just to kind of know what it's like and just to kind of keep touching up on that energy system work they don't need to push it as far and be as uh, comprehensive with it um, but it does come down to um, if they do pursue this route of pure competition um, they will increase their risk of injury they're more likely to become put it in some way less healthy um, so it's giving them it, the choice to make. If they want to stay healthy, they have to accept that their competition might suffer. You can still do that work. Um, versus, I want to compete. I want to be the best competitive athlete I can. Okay, well, your health will suffer. Yeah, um, I've had clients in the past that, and clients currently that are that are dealing with that conundrum. Is I have the ability to compete. Why wouldn't I? I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, I get to throw down with my mates to go hard or get to play a rugby game with my friends and really push the pace um, and really work hard in that. But as you said, <coughs> the risk of injury goes up at that point and health declines, unfortunately. Um, so it's trying, how do we find a balance between that? And I would say it's actually trying to move someone and dampen that person to move them back towards... In, well not back towards moving onwards towards and back to an intermediate level of fitness um, and that means that you might spend more time focusing on your nutrition and lifestyle as opposed to spending 15-20 hours a week in the gym um, it also comes to a point where when we talked about the, the rate of improvement is it actually takes a lot more to maintain an advanced level of training um, an advanced level of ability than it does for an intermediate. So this is where you might slip back because you, instead of putting, um, you might have all the skills required to be an advanced level client and you might have the ability to get strong and develop anaerobic and aerobic responses, but you work a full-time job and you only have four to five hours a week to train 
if that is you, then trying to chase advanced level and elite level performance is going to be detrimental to your health because there's this idea of uh, homeostasis and allostasis and allostatic load. If we're putting so much stress onto your onto an already stressed system, then that system is going to break down. It's just going to happen. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. And uh, um, recently experienced it myself. Um, I've got a relatively specific goal. I had a massive increase in volume. Um, came back thinking that I'll be able to, because the the intensity or the load that the volume had gone up, and then it'd come down again. But the intensity stayed high. Thinking, yeah, I'll be fine. I wasn't. <laughs> tweaked my back a little bit. Tweaked my chest a little bit, and I've got a cold. Like that is following a week of training. So trying to understand this um, balance between health and competition is a very hard one. It takes a lot of time. That is why full-time athletes are full-time athletes. Because <coughs> this is my cold coming through, coughing and sneezing. Um, because a you, you can't expect to push your system really hard, really run the engine fast, and then go and spend uh, nine, eight hours at a job for the rest of the day. But you need to come back to your home, have some food, chill out a little bit, maybe have a nap, do some stretching work, do some mobility work, and maybe have some more food, and then go train again. And that is how you, that is you for the rest of your day. You're training five, six hours a day. And you can't add in another a workload on top of that. That's why you see athletes put off having families and put off having careers, put off earning money potentially until they attain their goal of elite performance and then they drop off again, they drop back. So trying to find balance as an advanced level client is actually really, really hard um, because you have the ability to go hard. And I, I know it because I would argue that I'm there. Will's pretty much there as well. There's many people out there that are there um, and they're struggling with this aspect of fitness. How to stay healthy or the healthiest you can be. It's not an advanced level client. Do you feel like people start to all these skills? Um, <coughs> do you want to do something with your fitness when you reach that stage? That's when you start pushing it too far. And you will see those kind of decreases in your uh, health and your lifestyle come more into fruition. If you get to this advanced level of fitness and you kind of just sit there happy, just keep maintaining the skills, keep maintaining the strength, then you'll probably be okay as a health-based advanced client. As soon as you get there and think, actually, only use it for the time to do competitions, that's when you can start taking things in place. Got a bit of interference on the line, I think, as well. Um, yeah, you are right. Okay. It's just, it's just such a hard area to be in, isn't it? Um, I, I know, like I said, I know that because I think I'm, I'm there. Um, trying to find balance between that is very, very hard because you do, you do take a bit of a hit when it comes to body composition because of the um, exceeded, not exceeded, the raised level of intensity that you can hit. You do get a you do get all the benefits that come with that, which means you can burn body fat at a higher rate. Um, you do get higher levels of lean muscle mass. Um, your nutrition has to be on point at that point. 
but you also get all the consequences that come along with that. Again, like you said, tendon and joint pains that come along with that and the uh, levels of fatigue that you might experience will start to have an impact on other areas of your life. <coughs> Again, as you can hear, I'm suffering from that. Got a cold, got a cough after just spiking my volume up um, and then expect thinking that I can go back into training as normal. But <laughs> I didn't allow myself enough time to recover. That's a learning point for me. Um, again, as an advanced level client, you're a bit more mindful. I suppose the, we haven't talked much about the mental state of an advanced level client. Um, they're more, more mindful, so they're aware of their, I can say aware of their surroundings. They're aware of their lifestyle. They know that if they have an hour less sleep that night, they're going to feel it the next day and they're intuitive. They can feel that something isn't quite right. Whereas a beginner might be used to having six hours of sleep, be used to having being stressed, having kids, high stress job, whatever it is, go to the gym, smash themselves and not notice a difference. And that is because you can't dig as deep into your nervous system. You're in protection mode. Your body, body probably isn't letting you dig as deep and it's not letting you develop the ability to dig deeper because it's limiting you. It's called central central governor theory. Um, and you won't notice a difference whereas the advanced level client you're going to notice that your technique wasn't quite right that day or you didn't have the five kilos on your back squat that you wanted or you didn't you walked into a back squatting day and you were like, right i'm going to squat 100 kilos a day for five sets of five but you only managed 95 kilos and your knees felt a bit off and your techniques felt a bit off again as an intermediate beginner they may not um notice that and when it comes to the mental state, <laughs> that can actually have a big effect. But like I know when I had a bad day on snatching, right, if I had a snatch day, it would fucking put me in a bad mood. <laughs> it really would. I hated it. Like if my technique wasn't perfect, whereas if I had enough sleep, enough food, enough fuel, enough recovery time, and I walked in and had an awesome snatch day where everything felt great, that day would be great for me. I'd be flying on air. So the mental state, um, does fluctuate more in, a, in a, uh, an advanced level client for most clients I would say. I tend to see a lot of neurotic behaviours, um, again a little bit more obsessive behaviours with advanced level fitness clients um, and especially advanced level competitive clients. But again it, it begs the question I suppose is can you have an advanced level health client? So, so philosophical question I suppose um, but yeah the mental state I think has a big part to play with it a bit more maybe a bit more driven a bit more motivated um, yeah have you have you noticed any differences with the mental state will no I think what you said were quite good points like that comparing that to beginners and intermediates how they might go in they might feel a little bit tired they might just see it as I'm a bit tired where the advanced level is going to be actually let's analyze it okay so i slept less my breakfast was slightly different okay so that's why my session doesn't feel as good today more aware of like you said of their lifestyle how it is uh, playing an effect on their training rather than just i'm a bit tired today they'll know why they're tired they'll know what they need to do to fix it and they'll know what they need to do in that session to uh, adapt it because they're tired. it's um Something that we haven't talked about yet is nutrition and lifestyle. 
Um, when we're considering nutrition for a advanced level client, things that we're that you should be considering, or you could be considering at this point now, is things like macro counting, uh, macro timing. Um, so you might be saying, okay, we've worked out how many calories that you need to be consuming to gain fitness, to push it a little bit further, or to maintain fitness, whatever your goal is. And you're a lot more conscious, again, this plays into the mental state of it, a lot more conscious about the quality of your food. You know what 200 grams of chicken looks like because you spent time counting macros. Again, for anyone, for most people, when we talk about health, we'll make this clear, is that we do not recommend <coughs> calorie counting as a long-term strategy to maintain good nutrition. Um, it doesn't allow you to develop the skills necessary to gain autonomy within your, uh, within your health and your fitness and within your body. Um, and that's something that probably important we can finish on in a bit, uh, it's autonomy. But when it comes to nutrition, you could, that an advanced level client probably has spent time counting their macros, um, developing the skills needed to know what 250 grams worth of chicken looks like, what 180 grams worth of brown rice looks like, and so on. And they've developed the habits around nutrition so they don't necessarily have to be as mindful that drinking four liters of water a day or 50% of your body weight in water minimum a day is just a thing that you do. Um, it's not something that you have to be conscious about. Um, that you get enough protein in a day, that you may be thinking about supplementing at this point. Um, <coughs> I only tend to recommend um, a, uh, if again, for a competitive client, creatine, because why not? It's super cheap and it's super effective. And um, things like fish oils and uh, multi-minerals and omega-3s and things like that to make sure that they are getting all the vitamins and minerals they need to support a competitive lifestyle. For a health client, they don't need creatine at this point. They need to make sure that they're eating enough carbs, fats and proteins. Through that, they should be getting enough um, vitamins and minerals in, that they're drinking enough water and that they're sleeping eight hours a night um, on an average basis. Is there any other nutrition factors that you consider, Will? Uh, no, I think you could summarise that pretty well, to be honest. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and for a, I suppose for lifestyle, touched on it a little bit, need to be thinking about, have you got all the basic lifestyle guidelines? Because this kind of encompasses nutrition. Have you got all the basic lifestyle guidelines in place? Um, are you do, you, do you have a personalized prescription for nutrition that, that it can be adjusted to you? Do you have all the skills in place? Do you sleep eight hours a night regularly? And do you, are you conscious of sleep hygiene? So um, making sure the room is cool in the evening, making sure um, that it's dark as possible, that um, you maybe wear an eye mask, you do some meditation before you go to sleep, do some dry skin brushing, whatever that is. You have a routine basically set that you just do that's personalized to you. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's any others that I think can think of. Like light exposure in the evening, um, water, that you're in a good rhythm with your training, that you know you train regularly throughout the week, you, um, you eat regularly, you eat at um, the right times, um, and that your kind of circadian rhythm is in place, because that is a factor that you cannot deny has an impact uh, upon your health and fitness. Um, yeah, I, I suppose that, that the mental aspect of it is under control for, again, for an advanced health client, your, your mental state should be balanced and under control. We shouldn't see fluctuations in that um, too much. Um, yeah, I suppose that's it in terms of the lifestyle guidelines. Any, any I missed you can think of? Um, no, I think what you probably generally find is that as you move to advanced, um, their downtime would probably, in, in my opinion, generally be something more active. So they'd be out doing and they'd be going for a walk or doing so. They won't be sitting in front of the TV. That's just obviously not the type of person they are if they've reached the advanced level of fitness. Mm. Um, so just that their downtime should be congruent with their goals. Yeah. yeah. Be very. Very calming, relaxing. Yeah, like it's, it's a bit. That bit I thought was really important. Your your training and lifestyle and nutrition should be aligned with your goals. Like you should have that in place by now. Um, I've, I've trained a lot of people at this level that do not have that in place. And uh, <clears throat> if you're not considering how your um, the, your priorities and your goals and whether they're in line with your training and life goals then there's a there's a problem there and that's quite i would say it's quite a big problem um, so that's something that someone needs if they're pushing this level already need to think about um, you need to make sure they have that in place because you won't be able to reach you'll constantly be frustrated if the intent behind your uh, training and your nutrition and your goals <coughs> is misaligned um, for instance, uh, as an example, we see a lot of people that um, that get to an advanced level of training that need to have a lot of fun within. This is for health, not comp competition. Need to have a lot of fun built into their training to 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 go and do it. Otherwise, they lose motivation. If it's not fun, if it's not constantly doing something different, um, and I just. Short, short conversation about this on the weekend with someone and my view on it is that if someone has to have fun within their training then there needs to be a level of there's a level of responsibility that hasn't been taken um, it, if you if you're if you need to have fun to maintain motivation to go to your training then you're most likely using your training as a fix for a poor lifestyle and a, a band-aid a plaster you're trying to cover something up that you don't have to face um now whatever that is again like you can come to us and we can have a conversation about it, or we can refer you to someone or speak to someone that can help you figure out why that is because that is not sustainable um, if you have a lifestyle that is super active um because the reason i say this is because 50 years ago or 50 maybe more, 70, 80 years ago, we didn't have to, exercise wasn't really a thing. The majority of people, 95% of people, didn't go to a gym to exercise. They went out walking. They um, 
played with their kids. They had to they had to be active to do their to make a life for themselves. They had to prepare their house themselves. Couldn't just call up a builder on trustatrader.com. Um, you had to go and maybe grow your food in the garden. You had to go and garden. Uh, all these little things increased the level of activity that someone had for a day, which allowed them to maintain a high level of muscle mass, a low level of body fat, a high level of uh, aerobic capabilities, um, and they were sustainable within that. <coughs> they didn't have to do mobility every day. Like they, um, and they didn't have, but that stuff was just part of their day. They didn't have to go, oh, I need to have fun to go and do something, if that makes sense. Um, and we touched on fun within training as an advanced level client because you now have the ability to have a bit more variation because you've earned it. Um, so if you have a bad lifestyle and you're using it for training, then you will have to have fun constantly and you'll constantly be jumping from different programs and there'll never be any consistency and you will plateau a lot earlier and... Uh, lower your ceiling for improvement um yeah it's very interesting what you say because the level of intensity volume of the fast level pipe should hurt and they should finish set two back squats and they should be shaking a little bit they should need to sit down they should finish their system training they should probably be very tired quite sore like if you're having fun for being in pain, you're a bit weird. <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a masochist. Yeah, like... Fun should come from you going into the gym, you're hitting your session with the, your maximum effort, I think a dead ball, maximum effort. Max, maximum effort. Um, and you're, you're leaving with a high level of response. The fun part comes from you put your effort in, you better. The fun doesn't come from pain, because that's just kind of sick. Yeah, there's a... I think there's a misalignment in, I think it's come from the science of sport and exercise that, again, we, we drift onto the topic of HIIT training, is that the harder you work and the more pain you're in, the more calories you can burn per second squared per unit of time, the thinner, the more body fat you will burn and the leaner you'll look. And it just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Like I said earlier, if you are, if you are developing a true anaerobic response um, or a true high-intensity response, it's by definition and meaning unsustainable and you are moving closer towards death. And I don't yeah. ne necessarily mean that in a literal sense that you're going to drop down and die, but your cells are depleting they are struggling to function at that point, which is why your body slows you down. That's what's happening. Um, and that comes down to uh, a misunderstanding of the education out there, the misapplication of it, I think, which isn't necessarily a, um, someone that's just looking for health and fitness. It's their fault. Um, it's our fault as scientists. Because <coughs> me and Will are scientists, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> we uh, Not by trade necessarily, but... We have a degree, um, yeah. So it, it's it's the misalign. It's a couple, It's part of that misalignment of goals and intent and purpose. Um, and as an advanced level client, that is a bit harder to get in place. But if you do it right from the start and you have a decent coach that can have those conversations with you, it becomes so much easier. Um, again, I'll use myself as an example. Is I've I've never used 
exercise or fitness I don't think I had as a fix for a bad lifestyle. Um, I've never intentionally used it to cover things up, if that makes sense. I've used it, I've, I've, I've misused fitness and high intensity training before, like I've had a bad day at work. Um, I remember when I was in the army and we were just setting up uh, the gym that we owned. And I was like, I've had a really tough day at work. It's been really shit. I've been had someone on my back all day. I'm just going to go and smash myself in the gym and I'll feel better. And I did feel better, but that was from an endorphin rush, a cortisol punch in the face, an adrenaline drive. Um, and that becomes addictive. And over time, that becomes a problem. And I think that definitely did lead to some of the maybe joint issues that I have now um, as a client because I was addicted to that. Um, this is why I think I could talk about it because I've been there <coughs> but yeah it's, it's just that misalignment again isn't it I've I used myself an example I think I've only truly truly experienced that anaerobic response once or twice mm. it took an hour to recover it's definitely not fun to go and smash yourself in the gym it just isn't it just is not because it hurts yeah it's just why you'd want to do that for fun, I don't know. It's very things you can do to have fun, even with training, just take it easier. It's that feeling of you've worked hard, isn't it? It's a feeling of accomplishment sometimes. It's like, yeah, I, I, you, I, I wouldn't, again, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Once you had done that and you realised that maybe you had a, because I think, was it when you did that like 30 seconds assault bike thing, wasn't it? Yeah, um, like when when you had done that, and you realised you got quite a bloody good score. Like maybe two hours later, you're actually a little bit proud. You're like, yeah, I done pretty well there. I worked really hard, and I think like from uh, for me and from my experience of dealing with clients who've been in that same situation, that's the feeling that they get. So like, oh yeah, I was able to push myself to my limits, and that is something to be proud of. I think, um, but it needs to be used sparingly because it's something we didn't touch on is in terms of testing for an advanced level client <coughs> is that needs to happen sparingly this might be for someone for an advanced level competitive client they might do a mock peak let's say they've got a two-year program they're leading up to a competition they might peak at end of year one to, to so we know where we are and what uh, responses we get and then they'll peak for competition day and that's it that's the only testing as such we might do some uh like proper proper testing of all the components in one space of time but we might do some intermediate ones or intermediary ones where we maybe test their back squat technical max just to make sure we're in we're on the right tracks or we um do a what's this idea of a litmus test it's just a, a 10 second burst on a flywheel bike to see are they able to develop and express the level of intensity that we need to and we've kept a track of that um, and if we start to see that to drop we are okay maybe we're training too hard or overreaching whatever it is for a health client again we're starting to move back towards the intermediate level of fitness and maintain the highest level of that part so again we're going to be testing rarely maybe two to three times a year if that two times probably uh, thinking about it and where we might test a, a, a vast array of components 
Uh, so we might do two weeks of strength testing. Um, <coughs> and, and, and two weeks of strength testing and energy system testing. Um, this again, something we didn't talk about too much is um, how long it might take to test an advanced level client. They could be testing for a month for us to get a full, a full in-depth look at this as at your fitness as an advanced level client um, because you need time to recover to give us true tests. But as a beginner, it might it will take us an hour to to establish that you're well. Let's go. Let's uh, uh, advance that a little bit. It might take us uh, let's say three hours from the first consultation that we have in, in person to discuss your training history and goals, from the uh, body, i.e. maybe the body fat testing uh, and muscle mass testing, to your work capabilities and your movement capabilities, and uh, a lifestyle nutrition assessment. Like three hours, let's say, to establish whether you're a beginner or not. Um, an intermediate, we're going a little bit further, probably looking at about a week, maybe two. Again, but moving towards the advanced level, we're, we could be looking at a month to six weeks. I've done testing phases that have lasted four weeks before. It's a killer. <laughs> it's an absolute bitch to do. It's hard work. Um, and just recover between sessions because they're so hard. Exactly. Because, yeah, because you're able to express what you need to express. And I think because we've been going for quite a while now, um, my time to wrap it up the last point that I would want to talk about is as an advanced level health client um, we're moving you we're trying to move you towards our, our ultimate goal as coaches as base training is to develop you physically mentally um, and behaviorally I suppose that way is look at it so that you can move towards a point where you don't need us to help you manage your training anymore. That is that is the overall aim to allow you to develop autonomy within your health and fitness. Could you? Because that is what we were able to do a hundred years ago. But we didn't have to think about it because of our levels of activity were up. Now though, we have to structure it into our time. <coughs> and because of that shift, it makes things a little bit more complicated. And because of that complication. There's higher levels of research and better methods and better ways to do it. And people need guidance and education to get there. So as a, as a client of base trainer, our aim is to actually get rid of you. You might come back to us and go, like for myself, I still have a coach. I can, I can do it myself. I know I can, but I still have a coach because it's someone to be accountable to and it stops me overthinking it potentially. <coughs> for an, a health client, we want you to be able to get to the point where you have all your basic lifestyle guidelines in place, you understand nutrition, and you understand appropriate physical training. That, for us, as a health client, at an advanced level, is autonomy. And you should be able to manage that throughout the rest of your life up to that point. And as you resist entropy and uh, age, and your eventual demise, you should be able to manage that appropriately. Again, uh, it might get to a point as we regress mentally, hopefully you won't, that you need someone to help you again um, because your mental state is deteriorated. I, I don't know, whatever it is, but hopefully if you've done all the other stuff properly, it won't deteriorate. You'll get to 95, you'll be climbing a mountain, you'll have a heart attack at the top and you'll just die. 
Like, that, that is a fucking good place to be. You won't experience dementia. You won't experience uh, chronic illnesses. You won't experience old age homes and walking sticks. Like, I saw a, uh, a post from, I think it was Precision Nutrition. Now, I agree with near enough everything that they do, but they had this picture of the of someone going up through at the age, like the, the model, you know what I mean? Very like the development of man. It's similar to that. It was like a baby, it was a toddler, and then a teenager, then an adult, and then middle age. And then by 60, they had this person that was hunched over with a walking stick, 60 years old. That's their idea now. That's, that's what's happening. By 60 years old, people were really struggling. Um, and that shouldn't... Like my view, that shouldn't be. Uh, that's not health. That's not long-term health. By sixty, I still want to be deadlifting heavy and climbing mountains and running marathons. Um, I want to be able to do that into my eighties. So exercise is the key to that good health and autonomy, and understanding and alignment, all those things we've just talked about. Any points that you want to add, Will, to finish up? None at all. None at all. Perfect. So. Long- Long-term picture in mind. Yes, long-term picture. That's what we want to think about. Um, so that is the end of our podcast. We have talked about a lot um, around the topic of a program design and lifestyle de- design for advanced level health clients and pushing in towards the grey area of competitive clients and advanced level. Um as always, if you have any questions, you can drop us an email at info at base.training. If you want to find out more about us, listen to this podcast again, and you'll be able to um, find out where we are. Again, hopefully you've already gone to our Instagram pages and followed us. Um, if you can go to podcast, the Apple Podcast, drop us a five-star rating, that would be amazing. Um, I think that about that's about it, isn't it? That sums it up. So until next time... Peace out. See you next week.